please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. Thank you for joining again. And uh, thanks again, Pastor Rick Bonfim and John Dunn, for having me share uh, this morning uh, with the Rick Bonfim family and all that are tuning in. It's my privilege. And uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for today. We thank you, Father, that you're working. You're always working. We thank you for your plan of salvation. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He was willing. Thank you, Jesus. You were willing to come and suffer and die for all of our sins so that we might live on eternally with you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your word. Your word is bread to us, Lord. It's 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 living bread. It's medicine to our flesh and health to our bones. We pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, speak to our hearts. You know what we all need. Every person that has tuned into this message this morning, you know what they need. You're the one that has done it. And so, Lord, we pray you would speak to our hearts, our heart needs, and that you administer to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're studying uh, Joshua, a four-part study of Joshua, and uh, with Romans as our backdrop. When you're doing Bible study, we could do a study of Romans with Joshua as our backdrop. The other types of connections. That's the fun of Bible study as you get into it. It never gets old because God is always making new connections. If you come to it with a childlike spirit, a teachable spirit of faith. And so, God, we do ask for a teachable spirit today for all of us uh, as you lead us and guide us into the truth and show us the things freely given to us by you, O God. In Joshua chapter 1, we saw the call of Joshua Joshua is an Old Testament representation and prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. The name Jesus, of course, is just the Greek rendition of the name Joshua. And so Jesus is the one who leads us not only into the promised land, but into the eternal kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. And so there was a call in Joshua's life to lead the people of God into the uh, land of promise. Uh, we have an interlude then in chapter 2 that we actually started out with. The salvation of the Gentiles, Ray, Rahab the harlot, and her whole family, anyone who came into her house and took hold of the scarlet cord, which is the cross. It's all a prophetic foreview of the coming of Christ and the salvation of the Gentiles that promise which was repeated over and over again in the Old Testament, we see it with Nebuchadnezzar and many others, has proven true a million times, million over all over the world as the salvation of the Gentiles has continued to this day. Praise God. Then in the um, second message, we saw um, the crossing of the Jordan and uh, it's by faith. The waters of the Jordan part by faith. And we are called into the life of faith. The Israelites came out of Egypt out of bondage of slavery uh, under the blood of the Passover lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then they uh, entered into the land through the water. We pick up now at chapter 5. And there's a great sequence here 
that gets repeated over and over again throughout the Bible and is fulfilled in the New Testament. But I want you to notice that the Israelites, uh, after uh, coming under the blood at the Passover, we know the wilderness generation failed to enter the land because they lacked faith. They lacked obedience, the obedience of faith, as Paul calls it in Romans 1 and Romans 16, the obedience of faith. It's realizing I've got to stick with God. He, he's the way. And uh, many, most of the Israelites did not do that. But Caleb and Joshua were of another spirit. Praise God. They had a different spirit. And uh, you'll notice that they lead the people through the water. And uh, as we come to chapter 5, they then consecrate themselves and are circumcised. And then they experience a great victory at Jericho in chapter 6, uh, where the power of God manifests. That trilogy is repeated throughout the Bible, and it is a trilogy that Christians are called to experience and walk in. And uh, I believe God actually repeats the sequence in our lives at different times, and I'll share that a little bit. So here we go at Joshua chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Now, it came about, so they've the waters have parted, they've passed through the waters, they've built the memorial stones to remind them of this miracle that God had performed so the devil wouldn't steal it out of their hearts. So if God works a miracle in your life, write it down. Make a memorial stone. Amen. Uh, Joshua chapter 5 at verse 1. Now, it came about when all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. Now, if you know anything about physical circumcision, that's a one-time operation. Uh, it's like you only get your appendix out once. However, what this is referring to is the original Israelites were circumcised uh, after the Passover. The rite of circumcision was given to them, but apparently they departed from that and did not circumcise their sons. And so here, uh, before, after they've entered the land, they've passed through the water, but before they um, step into the ministry that God has for them and begin conquering the land, they consecrate themselves and uh, are circumcised. And so uh, Joshua made himself flint knives, verse 3, and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeah Harloth. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing 
with milk and honey. Their children, whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. They were fundamentally disobedient to the things of God. And there is a psalm, I think it's maybe Psalm uh, 63 or 65, but it's uh, only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Uh, he's a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. He makes a home for the lonely. He brings the prisoners out into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. If you feel like you've lived in a parched land for years and years and years, you need to come before the living God and ask him why. Because uh, it's normal for all of us to pass through wilderness experiences. He doesn't want us to pitch a tent and live there forever. And it typically is because of disobedience in some way. So let the Lord examine that for you because he wants you to come out into his provision. Uh, he is a God that prospers us in the way, not for our own selfish, greedy mo- motives or to pile up tons of money, but so that we can trust and be in service to him. And he loves us and he does give us blessings, but we can certainly misuse them for selfish purposes. Verse eight. Now, when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, today, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. That is bondage, slavery, God does not want us living in bondage to fear. He doesn't want us living in bondage to sin. He doesn't want us to live in bondage to old patterns, maybe old family ways that have held everyone back for decades and generations. He wants us free. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day, which means rolling. He rolled away the reproach of Egypt at Gilgal, which is just over the Jordan River um, on the way to Jericho. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. You need to have a personal Passover experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what experience your parents had. Uh, when you get up to the age of making your own decisions for sure, there needs to come a day When Christ becomes your Passover, it doesn't matter how faithful and fervent your mother and father were. You need to have your own Passover experience. And then Christ was risen from the dead. He was crucified on the Passover and he rose from the dead on the festival of first fruits, which on the year he was crucified, it's always the day after the first Sabbath after the Passover. It was the Sunday after Jesus was crucified. Praise the Lord. That is the day of resurrection that we celebrate. Christ is the first fruits. uh, And we, uh, the rest of us at his coming, praise God. We've been saved to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. Hallelujah. So Christ is the first fruits and we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. 
And then at verse 13, now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord, captain of the Lord of hosts. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Many of us, uh, many commentators, and I, I join with them, believe that this is an appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ before he came in the form of a baby in, uh, you know, in Bethlehem. Uh, Jesus has always existed with the Father, and I believe he is the captain of the Lord of hosts. Unlike the angel that appears to um, John in the book of Revelation, and John bows down to him and he says, don't do that. Um, I'm just a servant of the Lord as well. Here, uh, the captain of the Lord of hosts lets him bow down and, in fact, says to him, remove your sandals. You're on holy ground. So I believe it's the Lord Jesus Christ who's appearing to him and uh, saying to him, as many, many, many have taught, I'm on my own side. It's not the question whether I'm on your side or on the other side. The question is, are you on my side? And that's the question for today, folks. Uh, we all need to ask ourselves. This is a political season like we've never seen in our lifetimes. And all Christians need to be asking themselves, whatever your uh political predilections are, your political preferences, uh, it's not a question of whether Jesus is going to be on your side of the election tally. The question is, am I going to be on the Lord's side? That's the only question that's going to matter for eternity. We all are going to have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds in the body, whether good or bad. We need to take that to heart and seek the Lord like we've never sought him before. In this election, uh, should we vote? Uh, my own conviction on is that we vote uh, just like we pay taxes. We render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And so I do believe it's a duty for a Christian to pay their taxes and to vote the best you can with the guidance the Lord gives you, trying to set aside personal preference and so on and seek the Lord on the issue. But that's my own personal conviction on the matter. You will have to get your own. So I want you to notice, if you go back to chapter 3 um, for just a moment, uh, you'll notice that Joshua chapter 3 at verse 5, uh, when they were getting ready to cross the water, you know, uh, he said, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecration yourself apart for the living yourself. I believe it includes fasting. I strongly encourage you to embrace the discipline of fasting. Uh, you're not trying to earn anything, but it's a tool God has given us uh, to experience more of God and to be more separated from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, and so I believe what, when he said consecrate yourselves here at Joshua 3, 5, before they crossed the waters, before that miracle happened, they were fasting. Uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you fast in secret, don't run around telling everybody you know you're fasting. If 
you're not the person who prepares meals in your house. It might be nice to tell the meal preparer that you are fasting. There's nothing particularly wrong with that. Uh, and you can uh, do it if you have children and tell them about it so they can learn by your example. But the point is, don't make it a point of pride, but consecrate yourself fast and the Father will reward you openly. If you're struggling with a particular sin of the flesh, fasting will give you breakthrough. You need food to survive, but there ain't much else you need, food and water. And if you're able to fast 24 hours on that, you can walk free of anything. I said you can walk free of anything. And the devil will send spirits telling you it's not true, but it's a lie. There have been people delivered from alcohol and drugs instantly by the Spirit of God. Other people have had to work through it a little bit. But you work through it, and God will deliver you. Praise God. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And so they crossed over and experienced a miracle. But then when they got on the other side of the river, they've experienced the uh, miracle, miracle power of God. They were circumcised. Uh, interesting. That's a, a second consecration. Uh, it's a consecration of identification. So... Uh, we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance. People weren't born again yet, but they were consecrating themselves and then going into the water, just like the Israelites did here. Don't you see it? And then they passed through this miracle uh, of passing through the water and uh they were circumcised, which is a picture of our baptism and identification with Christ as we pass through the water. Oh, praise God. We are buried with Christ in baptism. Praise God. Romans 6. And we're raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And so you're justified by faith. You uh, you come back to the Lord is perfectly fine to preach repentance to unbelievers as John the Baptist did, as Jesus did repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. It's an initial turning back to the Lord and and saying, I want to get free of a life of sin, Lord. I'm coming to you. I'm coming. Jesus, I'm calling on your name. I'm done with a life of sin. Send me your your spirit. Uh, I want to be born again and he'll do it. He'll, he'll do a miracle. He'll, you'll be born again. He'll part the waters that were separating you from his blessing and you'll enter in. And then he'll say, I want you to identify yourself with me. Uh, be circumcised, uh, not in the, in the Christian life, uh, in the body, circumcised of heart. Be born again. Receive my spirit into your life so that you can walk in the manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Lord, I want to be born again. And this is what was happening in chapter 5. And when he met the captain of the Lord of hosts, he was being identified with Christ. This is the picture that's being laid out for us here. And then in chapter 6, there's a great conquest of Jericho. Let's take a look at it real quick. Now Jericho was tightly shut. You haven't been baptized in water I, I strongly encourage you to do it by faith, expecting God to do a new work in you. One of the greatest days of my life was the day I made the choice as an adult myself to be baptized in water with the expectation that God would do a new work in me. I'd already been born again, but 
being baptized in water by faith, I got a new separation from the world, the flesh, and, and the devil. I had a new authority to walk free uh, from the sin that tries to beset all of our lives. I'm not a perfect person, but I've seen a great difference. And after that, uh, the Lord, about a year later, almost exactly a year later, actually, baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, Jericho was tightly shut because the sons of Israel and no one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand with his king and his valiant warriors. God's a God of prophecy. And everything I've been reading, everything I've been saying is prophetic of the coming of the new covenant and John the Baptist and Jesus. Can't you see? And so he's telling them, uh, if you obey, Jericho is going to come into your hands. Jericho was the greatest fortress in the uh, land of Canaan. It was considered uh, impregnable, impregnable. And uh, when it fell, it caused everyone to quake in that area. The Confederacy had such a uh, fortress um, that fell. Um, and I'll think of it, but it was a mighty, it was considered impregnable. And then the Union developed guns where they were able to reduce it in a couple days. And at that point, uh, people in the South said, uh-oh, uh, we might have a problem here. Uh, the same thing happened here uh, in the land of Canaan. Verse 3, you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do, for, do so for six days. Obedience was crucial here. Because this is a move of God, but he wants us to participate, and we do it by obedience. We're not earning anything walking around Jericho. We're learning to trust the Lord. Hallelujah. And get to participate with him. All seven priests shall carry seven trumpets or shofars of ram's horns before the ark. And then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the shofars, the trumpets. I don't know if you saw... Jonathan Kahn's recent uh, sermon from the mall in Washington, but people were spontaneously blowing the shofars and it thundered. It was quite an awesome display of uh, the presence of God. Chapter uh, Verse 5, it shall be that when they make a long blast on the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man, Straight ahead. And so, praise the Lord, they obeyed. Uh, and they didn't shout till Joshua told them to shout. But when he told them to shout uh, on the seventh day after marching around seven times, and they blew the shofars, the trumpets, uh, uh, they shouted, for the Lord has given you the city, Joshua said. In verse 17, uh, he told them the city was under the ban. We'll look at that in the next message. So, Verse 20, so the people shouted and priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead. And they took the city and they utterly destroyed everything in the city. Man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword, except um, uh, Rahab uh, and her family. God uh, does not call us to do such things in the New Covenant uh, typically, but we need to realize there's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. There's just God. And God is a God of wrath, but Jesus took the wrath that we see displayed so often in the Old Covenant 
he took it on himself at the cross. He wants you to look at um, Jericho and the fall of Jericho and see the day of judgment coming and say, oh, Jesus took that for me. Uh, it wasn't it was it's a free gift to us, but it wasn't free to him. It cost Jesus everything. Can't you see? He suffered the judgment of God, the sentence of hell for us in ways we can't even comprehend. And he just wants us to receive it and begin to obey him by receiving his Holy Spirit. Praise God. Ask him uh, for the fear of the Lord to fall on you so that you would understand what you've really been saved from. If you actually receive the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you'll stick close to him. It doesn't drive you away from the Lord. Being afraid of the Lord causes you to run and hide from him. Well, that's not going to work. The people in Jericho were hiding from the judgment of God. It didn't work. In the book of Revelation, I think maybe chapter 12, it said the day of judgment, people, kings and slaves and everyone in between will be hiding in caves from uh, the Lord's judgment. You can't hide from God's judgment. It won't work. So come to the cross and then he'll hide you from his own judgment. Praise God. Uh, I want you to see that this uh, sequence is repeated again in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. If you turn to Second Kings for a moment, chapter one, uh, chapter two, forgive me. This is uh, uh, Elijah passing the mantle of his ministry to Elisha. It was revealed by the Lord that Elijah was going to be taken up by a whirlwind to heaven. That's what we all want. Praise God. We want to go up like Elijah. Hallelujah. And some, uh, the, when the Lord returns, they will. Uh, all people uh, will be changed, but some won't die. Praise God at the last trumpet. But notice what happens here. Notice the places that Elijah and Elisha go to. So at verse 1, chapter 2, and it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, the rolling away of the reproach. Amen. The Passover. Uh, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. He said, no, I'm going with you. I'm going up. I'm going to Bethel with you. Bethel, uh, the house of God. The place where Jacob saw angels ascending and descending on a stairway or a ladder. That's the revelation of the Lord. The captain of the Lord, a host. Praise God. Have you been born again? Hey, I remember the day. I'll never forget it, that I was born again 25 years ago, almost to the day. It was in October, I believe, September, October. And Jesus just uh, heard his voice clearly for the first time. And he said, you need this. That's what he said to me. And I knew I was born again. I was immediately different. I immediately understood the Bible and wanted to read it and had never had wanted to before. You must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you just need to ask and say, I want it. I want that life. I want to be born again. That's Bethel. Uh, Jacob was never the same after he saw angels ascending and descending on the, the stairs, the ladder. Amen. And uh, this is what Jesus said to uh, to um, to um, help me. Uh, he uh, is what Jesus said to uh, uh, the Israelite Nathaniel, an Israelite is no guile because he got a word of knowledge. I saw you under the fig tree uh, and Nathaniel knew he had been alone under the fig tree and said, y you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And he said, are you amazed? Yeah, do you believe? Because I said. I saw you under the victory. You'll see greater things than these. Amen. 
you'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That is on Jesus. He is the gate. Jacob said, this is the gate of heaven. No, yeah, that it was prophetic. Jesus is the gate. So Jesus, when he said, I'm the gate of the sheepfold, he's saying, I'm the guy that Jacob was experiencing at Bethel. So here's Bethel. They Elijah and Elisha travel from Gilgal, the rolling away of the reproach, the Passover. They come to the born-again place of Bethel. And then look at this. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. You know, the Lord will do that with you. He did it to the Canaanite woman. Uh, you know, uh, why should I give the bread to the, uh, uh, you know, dogs? And she said, well, even the dogs feed on the crumbs of the table. And he said, oh, woman, your faith is great. He will sometime test your faith by not immediately giving you the answer and, in fact, seeming to turn you away. But he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Elisha wanted the ministry. He had stuck with Elijah and he wanted the mantle. He wanted the double portion. And if you if you really seek and pursue something God wants you to have, you'll get it. Praise God. Verse 4, Elijah said, as I said about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving your prayer language, if you insist on receiving something God wants you to have, you'll get it. But sometimes he's not going to give it to you unless you press in. Here, Elisha presses in. Verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Glory the place of the power of God where God begins to show up in your life in Holy Spirit power and do things that only the Holy Spirit can do. I can't bring down the walls of Jericho. I I researched it this morning. They were 25 feet thick in some places. Rahab had a whole dwelling in the wall. They were enormous. And then they fell down and the only part that was standing up was where she lived. Glory, because she had the scarlet cord hanging out the window. Man, I need to get a scarlet cord and hang it out a window of my house. Amen. I'm surprised Pastor Rick hadn't told me to do that yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. But so uh, here we are at Jericho, the place of God's manifest power. Folks, this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I had a good ministry before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I would do good Bible studies, but it's never been the same. Once I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I just committed to praying in tongues it, privately. It doesn't matter what it feels like to you on a given moment. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It may not sound like the way Rick Bumpin prays in the Spirit. This doesn't matter. It's a matter of discipline, like reading your Bible. Decide, I am going to receive my prayer language. And Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to pray through me. Uh, and, and manifest it through me any way you want. Amen. Praise God. And as you pray that way, the miracles will increase around you. You will have Jericho experiences. The walls will come tumbling down. And in fact, so Elijah and Elisha received the double portion. Let me point out to you that where this event happened uh, is Elijah and Elisha is the same place where Joshua and the people of God crossed the Jordan. And it is the same place, are you listening, where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Bethany beyond the Jordan. Is God trying to tell us something about this? Yes, the spirit descended as a dove on Jesus. And then he said, remain in Jerusalem 
and you will receive the spirit that's been promised from on high, the promise of the Father. Let me close with this. We baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, the Father, the baptism towards the Father is repentance towards God. You can read about it in Hebrews 6. It's repentance from dead works and faith towards God, the Father, a turning. And then we're to instruct people about baptisms. Uh, you, you baptize in the name of the Father. That's uh, turning towards God in an initial repentance of um, a flawed person, but I'm coming. You know, you don't get yourself all cleaned up and then come. You turn and say, I'm coming and I'm committed to leaving the old life behind. And then you're uh, baptized in the name of Jesus. You're born again. You're buried with him in baptism, Romans 6. So Romans 5 is uh, turning back to the Father. You're justified by faith in Christ. And you are baptized into Christ. You're buried with him. You receive a new nature. You're born again. And then you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that you're equipped and empowered to go forth and serve him. And you can uh, have... Uh, the Jericho power as you work in unity with the body of Christ. We're not uh, solo actors here. Uh, we march around Jericho together. I go to Cuba under Pastor Rick's leadership and we see amazing things happen through everyone on the trip. As, as everyone is empowered by the Holy Spirit, everyone gets words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of healing. It's so exciting. It's so invigorating. It's Jericho all over again. So we're not uh, solo actors in this. Uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit unites you in a new and living way with the whole true body of Christ. And let me close uh, with this last testimony. I had a cousin who passed away in February. Um, uh, he was a prominent guy in the city of Atlanta. Uh, obviously, he'd known him my whole life. He was five years older than me. And God uh, chose me. I won't go through all of the circumstances, uh, but to minister to him in his last days, it was a remarkable thing. Um, I was called over to his house by my uncle to pray for him uh, about a month before he died to pray for healing. He had an illness. And uh, I asked him, uh, uh, you know, this question, essentially, there were two thieves on the cross between Jesus, uh, one who was mocking him and scoffing and one who in humility said remember me when you come in your kingdom and i just asked him the question which thief for you we're both we're all thieves on the cross the question is which thief for you and his answer that day was i'm tight with god well i'm not someone to question someone else's profession of faith so uh you know we all i prayed for healing for him healing did not manifest and so he uh, was in intensive care some weeks later and um, I was asked to speak at his funeral, and uh, he apparently was planning it. And so uh, I asked if I could go see him and talk to him about it. And I was assured I could. And when I went to see him, uh, and this is the power of Pentecost. This is how the walls of Jericho come down in the New Covenant, folks. And so I uh, went to him, and after some pleasantries and so on, I said, hey, I was asked uh, to speak at your memorial service i'm honored to do that anything particularly on his heart and boy he, he if you knew him he was a really firm guy he was very offended i didn't intend to offend him i i thought he was he is was planning his funeral so i thought i'd go talk to him you know some people do a video he said i'm still here oh it pierced my heart folks i gotta tell you it just pierced my heart i had given up on him but he hadn't given up on himself yet 
And for the next couple of days, I had a dream about him. And finally, the Holy Spirit said, you need to go back and ask his forgiveness. And, you know, I thought, once again, I have stepped into it. You know, one more time in my life, I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness. This has happened more than once in my life. Uh, you know, and so, but I did, I went to the hospital and God provided an opportunity where we were alone. And I told him how deeply it had pierced my heart when he said that to me. And I just asked, I asked him to forgive me. And he very simply, but very honestly, uh, said, I forgive you. I could tell it was from the heart and I can't really explain how this happened. It was a move of the Holy Spirit. But the next thing I knew, I was kneeling next to his hospital bed, holding his hand, and he was praying to receive Christ. I asked him, uh, have you ever asked Jesus to forgive your sins? And he raised his hand and then said, what? And I said, have you ever asked Jesus to forgive your sins, to come into your life and be your Savior and Lord? And he said, no. I said, you need to do it. Let's do it right now. And he said, okay. And it was genuine, folks. It was real. The walls of Jericho came down. Can you see it? it? The walls of Jericho are those walls of bondage that keep us separated from the living God. All they had to do, all they had to do in Jericho is say, we want to be with you. You know, that's what the Gibeonites did. If you read further into Joshua, they said, we'll be your servants. We'll hew your wood and carry the water. And they said, done. We won't kill you. It's a done deal. They did it by trickery, but God would have told them uh, if they'd just been honest about it, he would have given it to them. And so the walls came down. A couple days later, he lived another 11 days. I was talking to a nurse there on the floor. Grace was her name. And I told her the story, and she said, when was that? I told her, and she said, you know, I came in the next morning. He called me my name, took hold of my hand, and she said, I could feel the difference. She could feel the Holy Spirit's presence. You must be born again. And then uh, when I did speak at his funeral, I told that story in a little more detail. And I could sense the Lord was saying, uh, as I was praying before I got up to speak, I began trembling uncontrollably, uh, as the Spirit will sometimes do. And when I stood up, the trembling stopped, and I knew the walls were coming down. It was a packed house at this funeral. He had a lot of friends. Many of my extended family was there. I'd been praying for extended family for years and years and years. And here finally was this opportunity to share the power of the gospel, to share a Jericho experience. And the walls came down, not by my words, but my, my cousin's profession of faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank that you are faithful. You are a God of prophecy. The things you did in the old covenant, you're doing in a new and living way in these days under the new covenant of Jesus Christ. It is finished. It's accomplished. And we give you thanks and praise that you called all of us to participate in it. Lord, show us the next steps for each one of us. Show us, Lord, how we can move from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho, Lord, so that we can serve you in power, that you would receive all the praise and glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brilha a luz que é no do meu viver.